You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is Understanding the Ladder Rain, Episode 2 with Dan Gabbert. Nice to see you. Did the stretching work? Yeah, I have a bad lower back, so I have to stretch every morning, just like the dogs do. <laughs> you know, speaking of dogs, Lord, give me the faith of a dog. Don't they just love you? Even when you got a bad attitude? Sure. Yeah, give me the faith of a dog, faithful. That's, I think that's probably why so many people so many aged people these days who are very lonely. You know, there's a lot of lonely people in the world, aren't there? Isn't it a blessing to have the presence of Christ with you? Yeah. Anyway, dogs. Give me the faith of a dog. Actually, I want the faith of Jesus. And isn't that just the telltale sign of the remnant? Revelation fourteen twelve. Here are they, here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. We don't produce it, we receive it from him. So let's pray here before I get started. And uh, I hope, I hope and pray that uh, what I share this morning will be helpful to you. Let's pray. Dear Father, it is such a pleasure to be able to talk to you and know that your thoughts towards me, towards each one of us, are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give us a future and a hope or the King James and expected end, actually the original beginning. Thank you so much. And as we contemplate your thoughts this morning from your word, I ask that your spirit would do a special work for my heart and the hearts of my brothers and sisters, the dear ones who are listening today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you remember this from... I remember that. It's been on the board for a long time, hasn't it? Sure. Do you remember this anyway from yesterday? Let Remember this time alone with the Master in the Word to know Him? How much replaces it? If I want to be ready for the kingdom, nothing replaces it. But without it, without that time alone with the Master, how much replaces it? Everything, yeah. I want to give you another motto this morning, another uh, thought for the day that I'll be addressing. There it is. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. Philippians 2.5, oh, I don't want to go there yet. Philippians 2.5, what does it say? Let this mind be in you which was 
also in Christ Jesus. Yeah, make it a habit. Now here's the question of the day. This is a thinker. By the way, who decides what I think? A bit of a trick question. Well, I want to present the problem. Evangelists have preached this problem because we know the problem is that everyone has sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? But I'm not sure that we've gotten to the root of the problem. By the way, what is sin? 1 John 3, 4, transgression of the law. Just a little comment, little little Greek here. Um, the Greek word anomia for trans, transgression of the law actually is the same Greek word that is translated in the New Testament as iniquity. So that's where you get this idea of uh, law-breaking transgression also being iniquity is simply because same Greek word is used in the New Testament. Make sense? Sure. So we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now here's the challenging dilemma that sin has caused for all mankind because everybody has sinned. Amen? I want to share this sequence with you because it's getting us to the root of the problem. Isaiah 53, 6, the beautiful chapter on the life of Christ, says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have what? And what a beautiful solution. The Lord laid all of our iniquity on Christ. But remember this, we've all turned to our own way. Um, What's so unique about our own way? Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. You knew that, didn't you? I was right and you're wrong. Have you ever tried to change somebody's mind when they believed that they were right? Everyone's turned to his own way, and of course, the real challenge is, my way is right. How about yours? Sure. So what's so extremely dangerous about my way? Well, there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end thereof is the... What specific way in me is it that's so destructive? This is what the Lord was so concerned about with his people. So concerned about. Look at this once. The way that God is so concerned about of all of our ways. I've stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their own thoughts. Well, that's, here's the, re, the reason why it's like that. Why is it that, um, you know, my way is right. I've gone my own way. My way is right. However, uh, what so many don't understand, and I don't get it quite often either, is that my ways, my ways of thinking specifically, which I think are so right much of the time, are actually a trap. Why can't I direct my own heart? Because it's deceitful. 
It's not in me to direct my own steps in a healthy way. I'm going to go back to this. Do you see the, the question at the bottom? What specific way of man is not in us? It is not in us to direct our own steps. We need outside help. Are you following? Who can tell me why I need outside help? Yeah, we just looked at it, didn't we? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've gone our own way. Sure. That's the reason I need divine help. Jesus says, without me, you can do how much? What do my thoughts do for me? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I I put this note probably more for my personal growth than for yours, but I want to share it with you because this is big. So is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. My thoughts make me who I am. My thoughts actually are the core to producing my character, who I am. We're going to play in this a little bit more. But what heightens the dilemma of this sin-damaged heart that I'm, I'm dealing with, what heightens the dilemma? Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may you also do good who are accustomed to evil. Now let me ask you a question. You see the bowl there in blue. What do we call an action that we are accustomed to doing? What do we call a thought that we're accustomed to thinking? A habit. We form just as many, in fact, let me ask you another question. Where, what determines what my habits of action, where do my habits of action actually originate? From my habits of thought. Matthew twelve thirty four, Luke six forty four. As a man thinks in his heart, Proverbs twenty three, uh, Luke six forty five. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I don't know if I've got this here or not. I might um, go to Matthew fifteen once. You got to see this. Here's what originates in the heart, in our thoughts, in our thinking. Matthew chapter 15, and uh, yeah, Matthew chapter 15. Oh, Jesus again talking to the religious leaders of his day. And he's getting down on them because they got down on him and his disciples because the disciples didn't wash their hands or they didn't wash their hands like the scribes and Pharisees thought they ought to. I don't think they had hand sanitizer back then. That was the hand washing of the scribes and Pharisees. So Jesus talks to them. Look at verse 13. Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be what? Now jump down to verse 18. Here's what proceeds from the mouth that actually came from the heart. 
Verse 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. How many of those are actions? Where'd the actions come from? The heart. And listen, when I've developed a habit of thought, I don't know, uh, this is so big for me, and I hope it's big for you, but when I've developed a habit of thought that controls my actions in that area of my life, that area of my life is controlled by that habit. Because the minute the trigger comes, the minute the, the stimulus to cause me to respond comes, Ah, let's see, let's see an example. Fire! Now I know some of you are saying, that guy's crazy. No, 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 no. But what was your first response? Probably a habit, you've been probably trained that fire's bad for you, right? So this is big because... If I'm trapped with habits of thought, by the way, you know what habits of thought produce? Habits of feeling. And you understand, I think, probably, maybe you don't, but let me mention it, in how many areas of my life do feelings comprise feelings? All three dimensions. We are three-dimensional creatures, physical, mental, and spiritual. Have you ever heard yourself say this? I really feel like I should have done that differently. Really? Uh-huh. Well, there's the mental side. Now, how about this? Man, I feel sick to my stomach. There's the physical side. Oh, wait a minute. I really feel that... I shouldn't have done that because that's against God's law. Convictions of conscience. There's the spiritual side. Are you following? And thoughts produce feelings. They do. And if they're habitual thoughts, what does that produce? Habitual feelings. I've got to go on. The challenging problem that all Christians face, because this is not just non-Christians, this is for Christians also. The challenging problem is this. My Life Today, page 313. When souls are converted, their salvation is not yet what? What? When souls are converted, their salvation is not yet accomplished. You know why, don't you? Listen, salvation is not getting to heaven. Salvation is not eternal life. Those are, re those are the results of salvation. When the angel came and told Joseph not to, not to divorce Mary, he said something unique about Jesus, and he defined salvation. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Salvation is being saved from sin. This is big. When I'm converted, it's not yet accomplished. You know why? 
Because what do I carry in my, in my physical, mental, and spiritual life? H-A-B-I-T-S. What's the good fight of faith? Well, here the other, the other statement defines it. This is Selected Messages, Volume 2, page 20. When we lay hold of Christ by faith, there it is, there's the conversion experience when I surrendered to Christ and accepted Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Our work has just begun. Every man has corrupt and sinful habits that must be overcome by what kind of warfare? Every soul is required to fight the fight of faith. The fight of faith that every Christian who's serious about being ready for Jesus' return will be in is the fight to cooperate with the Spirit of God by grace-empowered faith to actually be a victor. All seven churches in the book of Revelation, at the end of every one of those seven churches, it says, Here's what, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He that overcometh, he that overcometh, he that overcometh, he that overcometh. Seven times. Why? What specific habits challenge us? Here we are, right back to the core. Wrong habits of thought, when once accepted, become a despotic power that fastens the mind as in a grasp of steel. Whoa! Have I built a big enough problem? I want to quit this. I want to go to the solution. Here's the good news. Testimonies, volume 4, page 655. Bad habits, when opposed, will offer the most vigorous resistance. But if the warfare is kept up with energy and perseverance, they may be conquered. Say it with me. They may be conquered. You are not a victim. You are a victor. That's the reason why Jesus lived and died so that you could be a victor, be rescued from the the, the ensnarements of the enemy. Here's the conquering solution. This is where it all starts. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do you see the little question at the bottom? What does the word let imply. Do you and I have a choice about it? As believers, do you and I have a choice about it? Wow. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. If you want to experience victory, you gotta you gotta begin. Just settle in your mind, Lord Jesus, I want to have your mind. So what does it mean to let Christ's mind be in you? This is my, this is my thought on it. Um, you may have others, so prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Here it is. It simply means a person is earnestly pursuing an intelligent, surrendered, 
grace-empowered, faith-filled, love relationship with Jesus Christ, which includes the diligent practice of thinking Christ's thoughts concerning how many situations I face. Not just one. By the way, in the presentation after this next one, um, we'll be looking at how this all happens. I'm going to hit on it today, though. We're going to get into spiritual warfare as we go up here. The professed follower of Christ, Testimonies, Volume 9, page 88. The professed follower of Christ must not be led by the dictates of his own will. His mind must be trained to think Christ's thoughts and enlightened to comprehend the will and the way of God, such a believer will be a follower of Christ's methods. You who are gospel workers, by the way, how many of you ought to be gospel workers? When you accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord, He enlisted you as a gospel worker, as a minister of reconciliation. And it's, it's the highest delight of His life when you practice his mind, practice responding to life's circumstances to glorify him. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you, therefore you eat or you drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Yep, this is so good. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. I love this. You heard it in my last presentation. Here it is again. Mind, Character, and Personality, Volume 2, page 666. He, Christ, died for me that I might be blessed and that his joy might remain in me. Therefore, I keep my mind in that channel. I educate it. I train it. I train my tongue. I train my thoughts. I train all that there is of me that I may fasten it upon who? Glory, glory, glory. Fasten it on Jesus. Well, there's another vital reason for assimilating the mind of Christ. Our thinking plays a major role in determining our destiny. True or false? Okay, let's look at it. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So is he. Signs of the Times, June 30th, 1881. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The thoughts and feelings cherished give direction to the conduct and thus determine the character. Oh, here's another one. Manuscript releases, volume 11, page 194. Never forget that thoughts work, word out, work out actions. Repeated actions form habits and habits form Oh, another one, Education 108. The harvest of life is character. It is this that determines destiny, both for this life and the, for the life to come. Um, let's do this. Go to Revelation 22. You've got to see this. This is big, really big. And I don't know, I, you know, I've never heard a preacher preach on this. And I'm not a preacher, I'm a teacher. And actually, I've never heard a teacher teach on this either. So here it is. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Revelation chapter 22. Look at verses 11 and 12. I'm going to read it from my King James here. I don't mind. 
if hope you don't mind. By the way, I use the New King James quite often in my presentations, not to not to throw all you King James Jamesers off, because I'm I are one, but simply because the these and thous for someone who hasn't been in the Bible at all, they understand he and she and the a lot easier. Revelation 22, verse 11 and 12. Here we are. He that is unjust, let him be unjust. What's the word still mean? It indicates that that's the way I was before. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. King James says, shall be. Other versions say, as his work is. Let me ask you something. What determines my work? What I do? What I'm thinking. And what determines something that I do over and over and over and over again. And according to verse 11 and verse 12, what we just read, what is my destiny determined on? Character. Either filthy and unjust, still, by the way, that's verified in the Greek. We don't have to go there this morning, but it's true. Character determines destiny. That is why character building is the most important work ever entrusted to human beings, and never before was its diligent study so important as now. Why, is, why does it say never before? Because it's determining my destiny. Oh, by the way, and I think I've got the question here. If a person truly wants to study character building, whose character must he or she study? When I study the diligent study of character building, if I want to study character building that actually prepares me for eternity, it's got to be the life of Christ that I'm studying. By the way, time alone with the Master, in the Word, to know Him. Nothing replaces it. Without it, everything replaces it. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. It's what it's all about. Bible Commentary, Volume 6, 1098 says, There is only one model after which human character is to be formed. The character of Christ. Those who behold the Savior are changed from glory to glory. Wow! 
Sons and daughters of God, 342, we, the more we study the life of Christ with a heart to learn, the more Christ-like we become. Isn't that good news? By the way, I think we've got to study this out of the Bible for a second, but let's go on just for a minute. Bible Commentary, Volume 7, 907. Notice what it says. We lose much by not dwelling. What? In every situation I face, instead of just running with my own habits of thought about the way I'm going to respond to this one, Lord Jesus, wait a minute. What do you think about this? What are your thoughts from the Word about this type of situation? What will glorify you in this? Whew. What does character building consist of what does character building consist? Manuscript Releases, volume 21, page 230 says, It is by learning the habits of Christ, His meekness, His lowliness, that self becomes transformed by taking Christ's yoke upon you and submitting to learn. Uh, here's my question. I was chewing on that this morning. If you were to suggest to somebody what habits of Christ they ought to begin the journey on what habits of Christ would you suggest they begin the journey on? Which habits of Christ? His habits of thinking. Um, Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 5. Thank you very, very much. I am so grateful. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. There it is. Certainly, there it is. And then I got a question for you after we read this. And then we're going to go, we're going to go to the Bible for something else. Matthew 5, verse 20. For I say unto you, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let me ask you a question. Did the scribes and Pharisees have um, good works? Are there a lot of Seventh-day Adventists and a lot of Baptists and a lot of Lutherans and a lot of Methodists, etc., etc., etc.? Their lives are full of good works. But what's the problem? What were they thinking? The only way your, your righteousness or my righteousness will ever exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. No matter how much of a health buff I am, no matter how much of a Bible scholar I am, no matter how much of an active church member I am with 15 church offices, the issue is what I'm thinking. It's the only way if I want the righteousness of Christ, whose thinking will I be practicing? Christ's righteousness. Man, Dan, get this, would you? I'm talking to me. <laughs> Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. We've got to move on. 
Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How is my mind transformed? Renewing it. Look at this. Don't copy the behavior. I, I took this liberty, so, you know. It's New Living Translation. Romans 12, 2. Don't, let, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now I have a, I have a question for you. Will I enjoy thinking Christ's thoughts, having the mind of the master, if the master doesn't have my heart? No. I don't want to think Christ's thoughts. I like mine. Jesus has got to have your heart. And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, I'm inviting you to do it right now. Say, Lord, um, by the way, another question. Would I be happy in heaven if I didn't enjoy thinking Christ's thoughts? Lord, please take my heart. Please take it. I want you to have it. I believe you died for me in the cross of Calvary. Please take it. Thank you so much. I believe you, you're, you're mine and I'm yours. That's all you got to do. You got to make that decision. Well, last one. Have I got enough time? Yep, I got enough time. You want to quit or should we go on? You know I'll go on no matter what you say. So that really wasn't, that really wasn't fair of me to ask that question. Dear me. Well, here's the third reason and it's a big one. For Christians also, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. By the way, I've never seen him. How do I know he's at work? All kinds of bad stuff going on, isn't there? Where's the worst kind of stuff going on? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Ever since Satan was cast from heaven to this earth with the other fallen angels, mankind has been and still is in a spiritual war with a very real yet physically invisible enemy. We're wrestling about... That's just, that's just some kind of frustrating for some people. And that guy, where is he? Let me get at him. Because we're used to using physical weapons to attack a physical entity. Can't do it. Not with this one. Now this one's scary. And it's building a problem in increasing the importance of practicing the mind of Christ. Notice what it says in the blue. In the latter times, the Spirit speaks expressly about this that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. Let me ask you a question. In order for me to depart from the faith, what is necessary? I've got to be a part of it. Why do they depart according to that text? And... I don't want to be there. 
Now, here's some great news. I want to plug the great news in because this has everything to do with winning the battle over the devil's attacks, the devil's ideas that constantly bombard our mind. Psalm 60, verses 11 and 12. Give us help from trouble. Lord, give me help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. What does vain mean? Useless is the help of man. All these people going to, and, and you know, we do our best. I'm, I'm going contempl- to talk about psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors and everything right now because I are one. How much help is the help of man? When it comes to my spiritual life, when it comes to my character development, when it comes to my destiny, how much is the help of man? The best that man can do is to actually direct someone else, someone else, another person, to the one who can heal, the mighty counselor, Isaiah 9, 6. If you're a counselor, if you're a mental health person, if you're a psychiatrist or a, or a doctor, whatever, those of you who are listening, if you are one of those, understand and know, and let it be said, that Dan says, no, 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 no. Dan doesn't say, God says that the only one who can help us is Jesus Christ. And the only thoughts that can heal and bring eternal destiny, life-giving destiny, are the thoughts of Christ. Notice what it says, through God we shall do what? Victoriously, valiantly, very powerfully. He it is that treads down our enemies. I've got to nail this down. Now, who it is that fights for me? All right, remember that. Deuteronomy 20, verse 4, I love this, 3 and 4. You approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not and do not tremble. Neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And I say, Amen. Praise God. I don't have to fight this battle alone with an enemy I can't even see who's constantly at work. Prophets and Kings, 645. In every crisis, his people may confidently declare, if God be for us, who can be against us? However craftily the plots of Satan and his agents may be laid, God can detect him and bring to naught all their counsels. Anybody want to say amen? I am so grateful for that. Now look at this. Our mighty God only, according to those verses, who's able to fight and win? Listen close, spiritual warfare. Who's the only one who's able to fight the devil and win? God, remember that. Healthy spiritual warfare. I'm really hitting on it here. Before we go to that, let me ask you a question. How many of you have, and I'm going to get labeled again, that's okay. How many of you have heard, you know, when you're fighting the devil, you've got to rebuke him. You've got to talk to him and Tell them to go to hell. Excuse the words. You think you'll win? Another question. Where are, is your attention focused? On the solution or the problem? Oh. If you're focused on the problem, how much victory are you going to have? Oh, okay. All right. 
Look at the text. Remember, who fights for us? But Satan must be rebuked as in olden time in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This in faith we must ask the Lord to do, and he will fulfill his word. Who fights for me? When the enemy is on the attack, my mind is bombarded. Who fights for me? If I want to make the devil flee, not me. You know why? Here's why. Review and Herald, September 6, 1906. Bear in mind, bear in mind that it is none but God that can hold an argument with Satan. I'm not even in the picture. But I have, a, I have something to do in order to cooperate with God's fighting for me. Can anybody tell me what it is? Let this mind be in you which was. How come? Why his mind? Why his thoughts? Who? Wait, let's look and see. Our part in allowing God to fight for it. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. According to that verse... What makes the devil flee? Submitting our thoughts to God. Wait a minute. Is that true? Then who's fighting for me? Who makes the devil flee? The resistance to the devil comes from submission to God. Now comes an important thought question. In what part of my anatomy does a person have to submit to God in order to give God the right to fight for me and cause the devil to flee? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, bring this home to our heart. Um, John 13, 2 just talks about Judas. And I just, I, I want you to see how the devil works. Just from the word... John 13, dude, just talks about Judas Iscariot at the Last Supper, but it says the supper being ended now, the devil having put into Judas Iscariot's mind, heart, to betray Christ. The devil was the one who stuck the idea into Judas's heart, his mind, his thoughts, to betray Christ. But I want to show you where we get into trouble. Turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts 5, let's do some thinking here. And before I put it up on the screen, I want you to see it from your own Bible. Acts chapter 5. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira um, sold a piece of property and had money that they intended to give to the cause of God, to the gospel work. And of course, uh, those of you who know the story, the devil did something to Ananias and Sapphira and they decided to keep back part of the money they had dedicated to God. Notice Peter now. Notice Peter's response. He gives us some amazing insights as he talks to Ananias before Ananias drops dead. By the way, you know that's what happens when we go our own way. We drop dead. No, no, not physically. Acts chapter 5, 
Verse 3. Peter now is being used of God to just nail Ananias and teach us a powerful lesson. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own power? Why have you, why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but unto God. Question. What did the devil do? Not only did he put a thought in, he filled. How many of you have just been so overwhelmed by just bombarding thoughts? Whew, whew, I have. Where it just, no matter what you do, it just keeps nailing, coming back. That's what Ananias was experiencing. The devil was putting this idea in. Now, here's the question, and look at the verse closely. I want you to see it before I put it on the board. Where did Ananias, is it a sin to be tempted? No, Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are. Amen? Hebrews 4.15. He was. No sin to be tempted. No sin to have all this garbage flying at you. Where did Ananias get in trouble? When did sin raise its ugly head in Ananias' heart? Can you see it there? What verse? Someone tell me, what verse? Verse 4? Okay, what, what in verse 4 do you see? Where did Ananias get in trouble? Why have you... Notice that the devil didn't conceive the idea. He only put the thought in. But Ananias conceived it. He grabbed onto the idea and started playing with it. Guess where we get in trouble? When the temptation comes in, we start playing with it. What's the solution? Practice the mind of Christ. Practice the mind of Christ. Immediately. Let's see it now and bring this to a close. Review and Herald, March 27, 1888. There are thoughts and feelings suggested and aroused by Satan that annoy even the best of men. There they are. But if they are not cherished, if they are repulsed as hateful, the soul is not contaminated with guilt and no other is defiled by their influence. This is big. Question. How do I repulse those thoughts? By the way, do you see the word feelings there? So many people are focused on feelings and guess what? Feelings are pretty untrustworthy because... Well, whose mind's the only mind? Whose mind is the only mind that has ever successfully repelled every one of the devil's attempts to lead them to disobey God? Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. To the very end of his earthly journey, it was Christ's mind, his way of thinking, that overcame every one of Satan's temptations. And listen, he wants us to have his mind. To have his thoughts.
If you want, I'll continue on Sunday. I want the mind of the Master. And it's available to all of us. It's contained in here. Probably ought to pray. I... We're grateful, dear Lord, for the simple, powerful, and yet challenging for us who love to think our own thoughts. Challenging for us to recognize that we're in deep trouble if we hold on to those thoughts. We've got to have your thoughts. So help us, dear Father. There's nothing too hard for you. I give you the right to take my heart. I give you the right to continue to work with me and empower me to actually deny self by faith, grace-empowered faith, and bring my mind into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought into captivity. Bless my brothers and sisters. Bless me. Bless us with a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, for Christ's way of thinking, Christ's way of responding to challenges of life. And keep us for your glory as we move forward in eternal character development. Thank you, Jesus, for being our model. In your name we pray. Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit amazingdiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.